Right. Brady Shea is going to score a goal, or I am actually going to lick a ranger. It's a lot harder to identify an angel because that's the, the spiritual world. But it's oh. a much easier to quantify the data of someone who's a warrior because they've seen war. But they're the just like, by the way, the dog is kind of dangerous. Here's your children, <laughs> unsupervised children, here's some pennies. And I'm going to allow the dog to, to roll. And, <laughs> and the dog will roam free. Yeah. Best of luck. Remember to cover your neck and throat if you get knocked down. And your carotid artery above all else. There's a predator who will have an instinct. Um, yeah. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second annual edition, not annual, flagship show for Bantering the Blue Shirts. My name is Joe Fortunato. I'm your host. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mike, in a bad mood, Murphy. Meh! Bad mood. That was, that's, he is. He's mad. And it is literally one degree outside. It's pretty cold. One single degree. Did not you get- even... Up in Connecticut, did you get snow and ice or no? Nope. We just got a little bit of snow, then rain, and now brittle, brittle ice. That's what we got. We just got mostly wind. That was the... Yes, the we were we were a little concerned about the wind. We put the cars in the driveway, we got ready, bundled the baby up, and yeah. You put the baby in the driveway? Yeah, you have to. It's the only way to do it properly. Just bundle the baby up and you put them in the driveway. Don't they put like baby melt in the, the snow and the ice. It's great. Put baby in the driveway. Um, Mike is in a bad mood, so we're going to let Mike start off with a little personal vendetta that he'd like to just assault. And he's going to assault what he thinks is the single worst ice hockey rink in the country. Maybe in the world. Yeah, you left out the word worst. Yeah, so I've been to... The Garden, I've been at Prudential Center, and now I've been to Barclays. Prudential Center, say what you will about the Devils. I know that a lot of Rangers fans can't get over the the petty uh, petty rivalry. That's right, I said petty. I just lost our show about 40% of our listenership. That's great. That's exactly what you should be doing. Yep, just losing listeners. Um, the Prudential Center is nice. It's clean. Um, you can get like sliced prime rib there. You can get all sorts of things. There's a good beer selection. There's a good food selection. It's new. It has that giant screen. It's nice. Barclay Center, Joe. I often I often say I feel bad for Islanders fans, especially because of Tavares, right? But like, it's not the sort of oh, those poor kids. It's more just like no, that's they generally are getting screwed over, and that really amplified because of my experience at Barclays. Barclay Center is terrible. It is absolutely terrible. They don't even bother opening all of the, all of the like uh, little what do you call it? little stations to buy food and beer. Like uh, they, it just there's garbage everywhere. It's so small and crowded. There's no there's no rhyme or reason. And I know it was never meant to be a hockey rink. And I knew it was bad. I just never really appreciated how bad it was. So I actually went to the Barclays Center last year. Um, well, maybe a little bit more than a year. It was right before Kalen was born. And I had to go for a client. And I had to go to a Brooklyn Nets game. And I don't like basketball anyway. And it was so terrible. You couldn't move around. It, it's on like a... You, you literally need to hike your way to the seats. It's, it's that steep. 
um, the it's like curved, like the seats are turned toward the, I guess in the case of basketball, the court, but like it's just it's awful. The whole thing is awful, and ugh, it's terrible. It really is. Mike went because he was uh, doing a nice thing for his girlfriend and going to watch the Blues, but. I had to go for a client, and it was literally the worst thing in the world. It was terrible. Yeah, a good word for it is terrible. And, you know, I, I'm i I'm less intense of a fan now that I've been, you know, a hockey journalist as long as I have been. And, I like, for years I've been joking about, like, the, the Potvin sucks chant has gotten old. I understand why people still do it, but I roll my eyes the way, like, the devils do the you suck stuff and, you know, just... It's like I know it's part of your team's culture, and that's that's all fun and games for you. But I just I was look like at Barclays Center. It was just depressing, Joe. It was like you know when you go to a zoo, like a small zoo, and it's poorly run, and all the animals just look sad and shitty, and they're covered in mud. That's what it felt like. All right, you're just but you're depressing hockey. the podcast at this point. I think we need to I think we need to move on from the Barclays Center. Um, yeah, the Barclays Center sucks. The Islanders suck, and the uh, well, they're in first place actually, so maybe they don't suck that much. And uh, the Devils suck, petty as it is, and the Devils actually suck. All right, Michael, we're going to go to the New York three wins in the past three games. Rangers, New York Football Rangers. Let's go Rangers. Uh, the Rangers, they're a very interesting team because there are moments where they look like a competent hockey team. And then there's moments where it's like, oh, yeah, of course, this is exactly why, you know, this team is not going to do anything. But the New York Rangers beat the Boston Bruins in a 3-2. We got to see Philip Heedle do another one of those end-to-end unassisted scoring beautiful plays. Uh, I don't know, Mike. They, they look competent all of a sudden, and I think a large part of it, and we'll get to this in a minute, has been our boy Mika Zibanejad. Well, yeah, Zibanejad has been going off, and I think it's kind of important to note the guys who have been playing well and in a way where it's encouraging are those guys that are really the people we want to see doing well. Like Zibanejad is young enough to be a part of this team through the rebuild and to be a guy you do build around. I don't think I don't think he gets enough credit as being that kind of talent, but when you watch what he's capable of doing, and I know I know fully well his his production is definitely skewed towards the power play, but that doesn't make him unique in terms of productive centers in this league, especially centers with a right-hand shot. Like I like everything about Sabanajad's game and the fact that he's Something like 10 points in his last seven games or something is really, really encouraging to see. I, I love I love that, you know, he's kind of finding a gear here, especially with Hayes out of the lineup. It's, it's very comforting to see that he can find another level in his game. And the other part, like you mentioned, is Heedle. You know, he had that amazing, what was it, Joe, five, five games in a row with a goal? Yeah, I think it was a five or six. Was, I think it was yeah. five. He it might have went, been five. Yeah, he just went off at one point. And then he kind of went quiet, and he got moved down the lineup. And, you know, I think it's the more I'm looking at, you know, the, the numbers, especially the expected goals numbers and possession numbers and, you know, wins above replacement numbers, like looking at the negative impact that, like, VC and Howden have. If you're on the VC and Howden line, it's really hard for you to, to get on the board. Like, it's really hard for you to be the sort of player where you can drag that line out of its, in like, bad possession funk. 
and yeah, I mean, it doesn't line. doesn't help that Howden is absolutely drowning. I think is probably the right word to use at this point. It, yeah, it's I been mean, a he is drowning. It's and been a really, and he's not even getting like just let's run through the ice time. And I'm not doing this as a you know shit on David Quinn. I'm doing this as a well, why is he not sitting? So January 12th against the Islanders, he played over 16 minutes, right? And he's kind of been in that range, I think, to this point. Um, eight minutes against Columbus. Less than 10 minutes the next game against Carolina. Six minutes and 40 seconds against Chicago. And he just played 850 against Boston. So I don't know if Quinn was maybe keeping him off the bench because he was thinking, ah, the bye week is coming up. Then we have the All-Star game. There's plenty of time for me to kind of sit down with him and sort of explain what I need for him or give him kind of a break. And listen, let me also point out that there is absolutely nothing wrong with a 20-year-old kid who's played 47 games in the NHL, hitting a wall. There's nothing wrong with that. It's completely normal. But I think Howden is struggling now in a way where it's a little bit more noticeable. Took a bad penalty. He had a bad turnover. We were kind of wondering if we were going to see him even back in the game after the turnover against Boston. And, you know, we didn't get a ton of them. But maybe sit the kid, give him a game off, and that might be what this break is doing. Or, like, if it comes down to it and Quinn really doesn't think he has the room for him, then swap him out with Anderson in Hartford. But Howden's hit a wall, and that's fine. It's totally fine. But he's hit a wall, for sure. Yeah, when you're a, when you're a kid in your first NHL season who made the roster out of training camp when no one was expecting you to, you know, you're not, you're not yet 21 years old. You're allowed to kind of struggle, um, and you're permitted. We'll allow it. We'll allow the struggle. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, when I wrote my piece about Howden and you know how he's hit a wall and that's okay, like there's kind of very lukewarm reactions to it because I feel like people there's it's tough for people to accept that it's both okay that he's getting just he's drowning in terms of the possession game and and making any sort of impact beyond looking good in the eye test every now and then. And the fact that he's a kid in his first NHL season, like we can give him leash and still expect better from him. Like we can say he sucks, but that's okay because he's a baby. Like he's going to learn, like he's got to learn how to crawl before he can walk. And the signs he showed early in the season, like in October when all of us were like, what the hell do we have here? Like, you know, he was punching above his weight, and we knew that. Like, we knew that then. We knew it wasn't going to last. We knew he was not going to finish in, like, the top 10 in Calder votes or anything. But it's it's really not that big of a deal. The, the big deal, as you mentioned, is the way he's being used, and maybe he is a guy who could benefit from, you know, taking a, taking a seat for a minute, especially when the Rangers have had the option of someone like Nieves, and, you know, they can look at... You know, hey, maybe bring up Tim Gettinger again, or maybe, you know, ask Billy Meskinen, you know, reward him for his play. And, you know, there's options other than Cody McLeod uh, for that for that bottom six. And we all know that. But I'm not I'm not too troubled by by Howden's play on the whole. I just feel like it's this is just kind of growing pains. And I was trying to find if there's been any research really in terms of those young players who are so swamped in the possession game and the shot share. And if, you know, they can kind of turn that around. And one comparable I found is Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider in his first, you know, first real stint with the Rangers was just screwed in terms of the shot share and when he was on the ice. And now he's 
one of the better possession driving forwards on the Rangers. I mean, it takes time. You have to adjust your game. And it, it doesn't help that the team is terrible. I mean, honestly, and, and you look at Howden's Corsi rel and, you know, the goals against and all that relative to the team. And it's not as I mean, it's not good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as terrible as it is on the whole. And yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's just not something to keep in mind. I do love, though, how, you know, he came, he started the year with an, an unbelievable streak of games, really through November. Um, he had a terrible December and now not a good January from a point standpoint. Uh, but everybody was kind of laughing at this. You know, they were kind of mocking us a little bit and Adam um, and a few other people who kind of tried to temper expectations about how that like, listen, this is probably not a first line center, but this is a guy who maybe could be a low end one or like an elite third line center and again great you need those right which is nothing like Broussard was an elite 3c and who would say who would say boo about Derek Broussard and the thing is you you know again we we make those jokes we you don't allow people to set a reasonable expectation and now everybody's kind of looking around the room like well what the fuck is going on with Howden well nothing he's 20 that's what's going on with Howden there's no concern whatsoever about Brett Howden because he's growing and developing. And we kind of talked about this on the last show. Howden is one of those just nice, fat, green check marks for the David Quinn development system story because Howden has really been given an enormous amount of leash considering all the struggles that he's had, especially Howden, of late. Yeah, if Howden finishes the season, you know, obviously after the deadline, I'm sure he'll get more, more ice time and opportunity. But really, if. If he doesn't really pick his game up from this, he'll still be looked at as like a, like a moderate success in that we really had a rookie get a chance under Quinn. And I don't think it should be necessarily looked at that way, though. I feel like the better thing to do here is to kind of challenge him. And, you know, for all the talk we had early in the season about, you know, punishing punishing the young players and, you know, and, you know it's, that's a strong word. Whereas you could say, oh, learning experience. We'll set him on the sideline and let him watch a couple of games. And one needs only look at the experience that Tony D'Angelo has had this year. But looking at what Howden has done and hasn't done, it's if he finishes the season without much improvement, Joe, I think most people will be like, you know what? We had a rookie in the lineup. He started off hot. And then like a lot of rookies, he kind of simmered down and, you know what? At least I'm glad there is a rookie in the lineup for the whole season, and there's obviously well, and a lot more to the story than that. That's the flip side too, because when before the season began, you and I were talking about. I think somebody had asked like, what an acceptable um, point total would be for Heedle and Anderson. I think you and I said that if between the two of them, you got 80 points, oh, yeah. which that. means 40 points for each player, it would be an exceptional. It would be great. Like, over the yeah. moon, you'd never really expect it. Year Heedle. Kai, he's below, but he could theoretically put up 40 points this year. He is 18 and 47. So it depends on, yeah. The, what we've learned about Heedle is when you play him with skilled forwards, he's he going produces. to produce. <laughs> when yeah. you play him in the fourth line or on the third line, he's um, not going to produce. Staple him to, you know, VC or Howden, nothing's going to happen. Or McLeod. Or McLeod, for God's sake. But yeah, it's. Yeah. I'm, I have. You know, I, I've there's been a lot of we should mention this too, Joe. There's been a lot of uh, NHL prospect updates with Pronman and, and stuff like that, where you know, evaluating the guys who are still in the league now, um, you know, who, are, who have, have NHL experience or not, are not. In other words, they're not prospects for any upcoming draft. And Hedl and Kravstov are guys where, you know, Kravstov is definitely a player whose his stock is rising, and. 
Heedle is more just like, oh, his stock has kind of stayed the same. But there's really no reason to be concerned about that if you've watched the Rangers this season because of how he's been deployed um, and the opportunities he's gotten. Like, you don't need to look at the numbers to appreciate the eye test on when he's playing with someone like Mika Zibanejad. Things go very, very well for Philip Heedle. And one needs only look at it was like a carbon copy, those, the goals he scored, the individual effort. I mean, it's awful what happened to Tuka Rask, but that was on McAvoy, it wasn't on Yeah, it was uh, um, completely on. And it's a li- it's one of the greatest goals you'll see, and it's amazing that he did it in back-to-back games. And yeah, this is a, part of the this reason... Is a teenager doing this stuff. It's, I mean, yeah, exactly. He's like, Philip Heedle, and, and this is the thing that I really do think a lot of people kind of forget, and it's almost easy to forget, to be honest, because that's how good he's been just in spurts, is the fact that this kid was born... In 1999, like he turned 19 at the beginning of the year. It's not like he's going to be 20 when the year ends. He's not going to be 20 until preseason of next year. And this is a kid who has 18 points in 47 games. And and he's seen some time on the fourth line. We had probably a 10 to 15 game stretch this year of that 47 where he really wasn't playing the way that we would have liked to see him play from like a not his talent wise like him getting ice time wise and i'm so glad that quinn is stuck with him because you really are starting to see what potential he has and again he's 19 years old and now it's five points in his last six games and he's he's a marvel he really is a marvel i mean going the right direction for sure you need to i think we've we've been relatively critical of the rangers drafting group that part of the organization um like the anderson selection and again that's not a let's shit on anderson it's just he wasn't best player available there were better players for the rangers to take in that spot um we had issues with the rangers first second round pick this past year i think there were a lot of people who kind of had issues with the way that the rangers myself included handled the after the first round last year but the Rangers took a huge risk on Heedle, and it was an enormous payoff. The Rangers take a, twice as big of a risk on Kravstov, and again, to this point, it is an enormous payoff. The Rangers took an enormous risk on Ke'Andre Miller. Again, it's a huge payoff. So when the Rangers have taken, where I've had issues with the New York Rangers is when they go either completely off the board, like taking a goalie at 39. Um, Why do you have to bring that up? We're having such a nice show. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a nice I'm gonna give a nice bow at the end of this. Okay. Or when they go way too safe, which I think the Anderson selection we can say is way too safe. When the Rangers swing for the fences on talent, Heedle, Krovstoff, Miller, they've hit home runs. And there needs to be more of that because it's much easier to defend, you know, a guy like Miller or Krovstoff not panning out when you look at how defensible of a move it was at the time than it is to say, oh, well, you know what, they they tried to keep it down the fairway and they just, you know, they did what normal hockey men do. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I've been thrilled, honestly, with Heedle. I, I mean, Howden's going to come around eventually. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I mean, if the two of them put up 60 points combined, uh, because Howden's at 50, 15 right now, Heedle's at 18, it's not really a great way to look at it because it doesn't tell you anything. But, like, no, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Heedle put up 35 points this year and if Howden breaks 30 great and on a normal situation you look at that and you go well these are two first round picks that's ridiculous they're fucking kids they're kids yeah, but let's talk about somebody who's not a kid rookies. Mike somebody who's not a kid the guy who we talked about extensively last show and who's gone on a ludicrous tear of points do you know what I'm talking about yet who are you talking about buddy it's Matt Zuccarello who 
now oh, yeah. has 24 points in 35 games and is back to that 0.69 point per game player that we've always seen right in time for the Rangers to uh, talk about maybe trading him. Yeah, it's it, we we were waiting for this to happen with Zook, and it was so interesting. I, I had a tweet that kind of blew up on Rangers Twitter, where I, I pointed out like, oh, it blew up after the blew the out Brooks, the Brooks article, where he admitted like, you know, it has been a distraction, it has been impacting his game. Um, what did we see after that? We just saw him like turn over a new leaf and. Maybe like it looks like he's having fun again. I mean, we. By the way, we could have an entire podcast about how Pavel Buchnevich looks like he's having the least amount of fun ever, even when he's having two goal games. But that's for another show, probably. I don't but, think he he knows how to feel happiness. I know they they stamped it out of him, Joe. They, they, I, I don't like even when things are going well for him, he just looks like like a, sh- a bashful puppy. Yeah, it just it makes me sad. Anyway, to happier things, Zuccarello, he's done exactly what. We we all kind of knew he's capable of doing, which is rebounding, because he, he's just too good of a player to not kind of find his game. And he's making those ridiculous passes that show off just how creative he is, shows off his vision, his awareness, like that blind between the legs pass to set up Mika Zibanejad. And there's, there's a lot there that's good news, and frankly, he couldn't really pick a better time to do it because... This is not him heating up just before the deadline where buyers could say, well, he's only kind of cooking now. I mean, what are we really buying here as a rental? He's doing it for a more sustained period and proving that, like, this is just, it was just an issue of him shaking off some rust and getting over uh, the mental aspect of the game. And he's back to being the Zuccarello we all know and love. And what makes it a little bittersweet is that is only guaranteeing that he's going to get moved. But the good news is he's going to get moved for a lot more. I wanted to ask you, Joe. Um, uh, Friedman was saying something along the lines of, like, the Rangers are going to start with what they got in the Grabner package, meaning, you know, a prospect like Igor Rikov and a second-round pick uh, when they talk about what they want back for Zuccarello. Am I crazy to think that Zuccarello should bring back a lot more than that? Like, a lot more? I don't know. Well, it depends on what you consider a lot more. I think I'd be very disappointed if the Rangers didn't walk away with um, a first-round pick, especially depending on the team he's going to. You're basically at the the back end of the first round anyway. Um, And a a B-level prospect, which would be Rikov. Um, Because the reality of the situation, like, Zuccarello is... He has 10 points in his last seven games. Like, you're starting to see what he's capable of and what he's done his entire career. We've talked about the landing spots for Matt Zuccarello. Like, if he goes to the the Edmonton Oilers, who are a bad team, and you pair him up with Connor McDavid, you're talking about an 80-point player. I'm completely confident in that. I would bet my house that if you put Zuccarello on McDavid's line... For an entire season, he'd be a point per game player easy because you just he's too good, right? He's too good not to do something like that. Yeah, last You're not year we getting talked about Alex Chase on having what 17, 18 goals with with McDavid. I mean, you- it's ridiculous. It's it's when you have that, it's just like when like Kunitz became a household name because of Sidney Crosby. Yeah, I mean, problem, honest to God, the it, problem they've learned in Edmonton is you need someone who can skate, which is why Lucic didn't work there. Like, right. you need someone and who can just, skate. Good thing they only have him for another fucking, what, 80 years? Yeah. Um, 
You're, and, and again, the other thing with Zuccarello, it, it's I get it. It's a rental. You don't want to give up too much for a rental. It's something that a lot of teams, but everybody's going to do it. And even in a buyer's market, you're talking about a guy who has 60 career playoff games, somebody who is a, a consistent force of offense, can find anybody. You can put him on the power play. If you play Zuccarello on your third line, like it's it's – he doesn't need to be there, but it's one of the things we thought Eric Stahl was going to bring to the Rangers was just this unbelievable level of depth. You have a guy who can help you right away, and there is value in that. And he's not going to be as expensive as a Hayes. He's not going to be as expensive as a Kreider. He's going to be more expensive than an Amestikov, absolutely, if we're talking about the Rangers really, you know, kind of four-ish rental players. And it's just something that, like, you got to pay the freight at some point. It's just the way that it goes. You gotta pay the freight. And if you're gonna pay it, wouldn't you rather pay it for a guy like Zuccarello than somebody else who's kind of floating around? And I get that we're biased because we're Ranger fans, but Zuccarello is genuinely a joy. But if you're just looking at the hockey player, he's a he's a hell of a hockey player. He's a hell of a hockey player. So what do you like? Yeah, all right. You, you, you're gonna get. I can't imagine. There would not be a bidding war that would get the Rangers a first-round pick. Because the other thing that you need to remember is, say they trade him, and I'm just using them as an example, to the Lightning, right? And the Lightning go either win the Cup or you're talking about, like, the finals or the the last four, whatever it is. If it's a first-round pick, you're talking about selection, you know, 27, 28, 29, 30, or actually 28, 29, 30, 31. If you're talking about the second round, you get a second round pick, not only, like, you're in the third round, basically, at that point. So, depending on the team he goes to, yeah, you should be disappointed if they only get a second round pick and a B prospect from, like, a Tampa Bay Lightning or a Toronto Maple Leaf team. Because you're not, it, the value's not there in the draft pick. Now, it's better than nothing. If that's the only thing that's on the table, that's the only thing that's on the table. But, and there's actually a very interesting question for Off the Post that it talks about Zuccarello that I'm obviously not going to spoil here. But yeah, I would be a little disappointed if that was the case. But you got us on the trade topic, so let's flip the switch a little bit, right? Yeah, We're we do have a little... A little... Something's cooking on the stove, apparently. I know, apparently. So the New York Rangers and the Colorado Avalanche appear to be in some form of discussions, right? Well, the, 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 this could just be kicking tires. But Adrian Dater said that um, two scouts scouted the Rangers... Uh, when they were at the Avalanche, obviously. Oh, I'm sorry. I read this wrong. Two Ranger scouts scouted the Avalanche game on January 19th. The two teams have been following each other scout-wise. And Adrian Dater says, and I quote, I definitely think a deal of some magnitude could happen by the deadline. Avalanche will not be trading the Ottawa pick. It's also quote. worth it's also worth mentioning two other quick things here, Joe. One Mention is, is that the Rangers scouts were also at the Colorado Eagles game, which is the AHL affiliate for the Avs. And the other thing is, of can course... I, can I jump in on that yeah. very quickly? So um, I was talking to Adam about... Uh, the Colorado Avalanche like farm system because he knows a lot more than I do about that type of stuff. Um, and there are really, I, I kind of asked him about the farm system in general, and he told me that the the system is kind of top heavy. So Cal McCarr, who the Rangers desperately wanted when he it was his draft year, I think when they took Anderson actually. Um, yeah, he's on the Avalanche. He's at the top of their system. He's probably not not happening but jost timmons and kout are their next kind of three prospects and i think all well timmons i think is hurt 
but uh, definitely Kaut, I don't know about Jost, actually, I should have looked that up, is in the AHL right now with Colorado. So two of the three, and actually, let me see. Go ahead and give your next point while I do terrible podcast stuff and look this up live. Terrible podcast stuff. It is terrible yeah. podcast stuff. Well, too late, Michael. I looked it up. Yeah, um, he's Tyson Jost is also in the AHL. So three of the prospects that the Rangers would look at, and listen, I'm sure, especially if they're discussing Hayes, that they desperately want, you know, they desperately want Makar. I don't think it's happening. So you have Jost, you have Kout, and you have Timmons who are all in the AHL. It makes sense. You know, if they're scouting there, that's what they're talking about. And my, yeah, that yeah, there no. I, I'm trying to. You tell me to mute myself when I'm not talking, and I do my best, and then you yell at me. Um, but you were muting while you were talking. No, I wasn't. I was. I was looking at cap friendly because I was trying to figure out what the cap situation was in Colorado. I was a curious, boy. Curious George. Uh, was curious yeah, I, George. It, it is. It's the other point I was going to mention, Joe, was that the Rangers relatively recently, meaning before last year's deadline, uh, did the Ryan Graves for Chris Beegris swap. So. I mean, that, to a lot of people, that's just like a non-factor. But to me, it's it, we see trends and trades, right? And like, for instance, the Rangers and Bruins now have made you know a small series of trades where you can definitely point to there being a trend. And of course, we all know the trading relationship the Rangers have with the Coyotes. Um, I, I look at that and I say like, okay, well, clearly the Rangers have kept an eye on what's in the system for Colorado. And you could say... Without a shadow that, without a shadow of a doubt, that Beegers has been a very good pickup for the Rangers, especially for the AHL team. Like Ryan Graves has been able to play for Colorado at the NHL level this season, and that's great. He even scored a goal against his old team um, when we were playing the Avalanche. But I look at what Beegers has meant to that AHL team, and I say, like, yeah, that was a good trade for the Rangers. Really, they got, you know, they got a guy who has been able to carry the the burden of the first pair and take some pressure off the young D in Hartford like uh, Lindgren and like Libor Hayek. And yeah, I, I really think there's plenty of smoke here. And that's why I'm curious about what Colorado's needs are. And <clears throat> you and I talked about this off the show, Joe, is like Colorado has that unbelievable first line. And after that, you know, they, they need depth. Um, but Adrian Dater was saying, he th- what does he say? He, th- he thought, like, Tyson Berry would be a fit, which to me is just kind of... Yeah, that's insane. It just it doesn't make sense for the Rangers. The, Tyson um, Berry makes sense in that, like, the Rangers have been circling that guy for probably three or four years. But he's 27. I actually don't know what his cap situation is, but he's 20. Are you on cap friendly right now? No, uh, you yelled at me. Well, I yelled at you because you were not speaking, and it scared me. I wanted to make sure that you still had your internet connection. See? Don't you feel bad about that now? Um, I feel a little bad. Yeah, you should feel a little bad. Uh, let me see. I'm at Cap Friendly right now, Colorado Avalanche. So he's 27 years old. He's signed for the next two years, so one year after this one at $5.5 million. Yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't good. Like, listen, he's a great player. He would immediately probably become the Rangers' best defenseman, um, unless Shattenkirk, you know, returns to his... Uh, which he's kind of been doing lately. Which he has kind of been doing lately. Right after, may I say, Mike spoke to him. Oh, yeah. Mike speaks to him, and then the next thing you know, Kevin Trattenkirk, back to his old ways. So think about that, New York Rangers. I just, I, I think, you know, Dater's maybe connecting the dots in a way to say, like, oh, the Avalanche are going to try to, you know, 
figure this out. They have a lot of RFAs coming up next this summer, so I don't know if that's part of it as well. But, you know, if you're the Avalanche, right, you're the general manager of the Avalanche, and you're trying to make the playoffs and you're buying a Hayes or a Zuccarello, why are you trading Tyson Barry? Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Right? Uh, like, it doesn't It doesn't fit. You you pay... No, no, the no. whole reason the Rangers paid Duclair a first and um, John Moore for Keith Yandel was you, you really didn't take anything away from, you know, the team. You kept the team together to bring him in. You're not bringing in Hayes to trade Tyson Barry. I mean, the only way that it could possibly make any form of sense is... If the Rangers said, okay, we'll give you Shattenkirk, you give us Barry, and then we'll give you Hayes, and you give us, you know, the trade of what it would be for Hayes. Maybe a first-round pick, Cout, and something else, or a second, who knows. A real blockbuster. But um, even then, it just kind of, I don't see that as the But right, like, what do you, what A, what's the benefit of the Rangers? Because Tyson Barrett is not fit in with your long-term plans. No, and B, if you're Colorado, yeah. you're trading, you're, like, you're selling low on Barry at that point. Yeah, every, I mean, Brooks has been writing about it, like, all year, is that the Rangers need to find a young guy who can play the right side and play the right side on the first pair. And he's absolutely right that that is an organizational need, because right now, Pionk is absolutely not that player. Like, if we've learned anything about Neil Pionk this year, it's that he's one-dimensional. And again, he's a rookie. That's okay. But it's the fact that he's not... But, but why Why can't it be that period? Why can't he just be a fucking one-dimensional defenseman? No, well, that's the other thing. Of course... And that's not at you. Uh, that's at, like, the yeah. people who continuously bang this drum of, oh, he's a kid. Yeah, he's a fucking kid. He also may be a one... I, said, I think I said this the other day. There is absolutely nothing wrong with Neil Pionk being fucking terrible in his own zone and putting up 35 points a year. Plenty of players have no, made it comes down to what very long careers do. that yeah. way. It comes down with how the coaches choose to use them, which is a question, maybe one of the biggest questions this year that we haven't really, like, you know, bit into here, Joe, is the Lindy Ruff factor behind the Rangers bench. Oh, God. We were just, and we were having so much fun. I know. But it, it is, it's worth mentioning because he's, he's the only remnant, really, other than, uh, you know, the video coach and, of course, uh, you know, Benoit Lair from the Vigneault era. And he's, he's at the helm of, of the defense. And we all know the problems that we've seen on defense. And he's definitely an older school guy. And a lot of the decisions the Rangers make in terms of their pairings are definitely skewing towards that old school mentality. With that, with that all being said, I'm really not concerned, Joe. Not concerned about Pionk right now. Mm, Connor could, Timmins, one of the players that the Rangers could be scouting. He's Connor hurt. Timmons. He hasn't played at all this year. But you know what he is, Michael? What is he, Joe? A 20-year-old defenseman who's a right-handed shot. Yeah, but I don't know very much about Connor Timmins. And I should clarify, I Neil, I'm not worried about Neil Pionk for the reasons that Joe stated. Is that he, it's okay if he's one-dimensional? It's because he's a kid. He is an older guy because he was, a, you know, an undrafted college free agent. And so we would like to see him have a more developed defensive game. But this is his first full season in the NHL. Last season was his first pro season. Uh, You know, he split it between Hartford and the Rangers. And you can be a one-dimensional defenseman in the NHL, play on the third pair, 
be used on the second power play unit and have a great career and be valuable to your team. It's yeah, just, there's nothing. I, I, just I, like, how, I hate. I you just hate don't play that kid. It. You don't play that kid against Sidney Crosby. You, that's you just don't play that kid against the Bergeron line if you can help it. You know what I mean? That just that's that's the decision you have to make as a coach. Uh, I'm almost done talking about Pionk because it's so it it does not need to be a decisive topic. It does not need to be black and white. It is what it is. He is what he is. Period. End of story. Get we out knew, of my face. We knew. Um, I don't know much about Connor Timmons either. Adam likes him, and so does Josh. So those are my two. I'm a fan. That's all you need. But he has, like, Timmons has been hurt all year. So that hurts his value, too. But my fear is, like, Shane Bowers being the centerpiece of that fucking deal just because he's a BU boy and rough and tough. I mean, I don't mind if Bowers comes in. Like, it's better than nothing. But yeah, not, that can't be the centerpiece of the deal. Um, Let's see. So we talked about Zuccarello. Uh, Let's just, let's, let's give a little bit of love for our boy Mika Zabanajad. Yeah, we did 44 points in 48 games right now. The man is a fu- he's just dropping hot beats left and right. Hot beats. Just hot takes, hot beats. He's Zabanachad has been I, I kind of made this point like there was so much discussion about oh don't trade Hayes trade Zabanachad. And none of that's been said and it, it kind of helps that Hayes has, has been hurt. But Zibanejad has been an absolutely dominant force for the New York Rangers. And uh, it's a bit like, yeah, Zuccarello's resurgence has definitely helped in that regard. But my God, he is a great fucking hockey player, Mike. It's interesting to me because we were talking about, you know, projected points for the kids, right? Zibanejad is like a slam dunk for 60 points right now because of the way he's playing. I mean... If he stays healthy, he needs 16 more points to get there. And that is a number that's kind of haunted the Rangers and their first-line centers for the better part of a decade, really, because of Stepan and everything, and people trying to say, like, well, how good is Stepan? How good was Broussard? And it's really, really great to see not only that he's staying healthy, but he's starting to pick up some more points at 5-on-5, which is great. And... I mean, when, Joe, when's the last time the Rangers had a center who scored goals like Zibanejad does? Messier? It's been a hot minute, hasn't it? it it's it's been, been a while, been a, for it's sure. It's been a bit. Yeah, it's definitely. It's, it, Zibanejad, and, and this is sort of a, it's almost a good lesson, right? Like a good thing for us to remember is the fact that the New York Rangers traded Derek Broussard at the perfect time. They traded Broussard. They got Zibanejad in a second-round pick. I think the Rangers traded a seventh as well. You're talking about trading a guy a few years too soon rather than a few years too late. And these, this is exactly why, Michael, Michael Bad Mood Murphy, the New York Rangers need to seriously consider taking any type of trade they can get of that magnitude for Chris Kreider. Because you are talking about a guy who's going to be 29 when he signs his next contract extension. The Rangers got not got rid of is the wrong word. They moved on from Broussard at the right time. It certainly feels like a warning that, listen, you could get another one of these players. Zibanejad would have... Broussard was a complete fan favorite. Everybody was shocked that he got traded. Yeah, that's the good thing about selling high. And and that's what it is, right? Like, you Does this not change your... I just noticed you made your name Dinosaur. That's awesome. <laughs> Does this not change your perception of like, huh, maybe we should think about trading Karada? It definitely, 
the bottom line is you have to talk about trading everyone who isn't nailed down uh, if you're the Rangers right now. And that includes Chris Kreider, as uncomfortable that, as that conversation can and will be, especially if it's already kind of a foregone conclusion that is being traded. And I know, I think the counterpoint to that, Joe, is what wingers are going to be left? Like, will Jimmy VC be our top six, you know, our first-line winger now if we trade away Kreider? Or, you know, is it going to rush some kids who might not be ready? But the way I look at it is, if Kreider continues to play the way he has, which is he's having a career year, and the Rangers can add him into that, you know, the, the pool of Hayes and Zuccarello and potentially McQuaid as the guys are going to try to move. And, you know, maybe Vlad. We don't know what the hell's going to happen with Vlad still. Like, the haul that you could bring back with those three trades alone, Kreider, Zuccarello, and Hayes, and I know we've talked about this on the show before, but it's it's worth mentioning because really, as, you know, the stock for, the stock for Hayes has obviously not changed because he's been hurt, but the stock for Kreider has just gone up and up and up, and he's not a rental, and a team like Edmonton is desperate, Joe. They're desperate for a change. They're desperate for forwards. And Chris Kreider, with his speed and his strength, would just be a perfect match for McDavid. It's like it seems like it's too perfect, and it seems like after all the bad trades the Oilers have made, why don't they make one or two more uh, for the benefit of the Rangers? After all, they benefited the the Devils with a pretty great bad trade. So, I'm I'm leaning towards the same. It's the same thing I was saying early in the season, Joe. It's, if it's the right deal, you have to do it. The question is whether or not they get that right deal. Um, because there is value to having Kreider stick around. The, but the, the truth is, if the deal is good enough, he's far more valuable as a guy you can trade. And it'll be rough that they're trading a guy who feels like a great fit for the next captain. But the leader of the locker room right now, you know, from the impression we're getting from the coaching staff, is Mark Stahl is kind of the unofficial captain. Um, you know, it seems like Chris Crowder is the emotional leader, but of course we all know that it's really Lundquist is the guy who's leading the team in terms of the emotions. But like Mark Stahl, for the time being, isn't really going anywhere, Joe. And that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow, but it also... You know, it makes maybe makes Kreider even that much more expendable. Yeah, and, the Rangers and, can't separate themselves from Stahl, which they're only going to be able to do through a buyout. It's this. This is what it is. Chris Kreider can probably help this team a lot more by bringing back a huge package and a deal where they get a great prospect and a first round pick, and then maybe a, an NHL body and you know, like a conditional third or fourth or something like that. He is yeah. that good. I'm, bring back a package like that. And this was a point that I was going to make about Zuccarello and, and Hayes, is that the, if you don't trade them to an outright... Like, Hayes is good enough that a team like Edmonton, who is going to be in kind of a league of their own in this type of an example, um, where, like, Shirelli's GMing for his job, very well may make a trade for a guy like him, and then you could get a top 10 pick out of them. More often than not, though, guys like, you know, Zuccarello... A guy like Kreider, who because he signed again next year, he opens the door to a team like Carolina or a team like the Ducks who are looking to do some changes or Vancouver to saying, okay, you know what? We're going to give you our first round pick. We're going to give you this package of prospects and we're going to do it because at the very worst, we have him for next year as well. And those picks with those types of teams could end up being in the low teens. 
And it's those types of deals that, like, maybe you do trade him to, let's just say, the Ducks. And the Ducks continue to fall off. And the next thing you know, you're picking 12th. It's a totally different ball game than if you're trading to, oh, I don't know, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs or, or the or Nashville Predators yeah. or even, like, say, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, when the Rangers traded with Boston, we kind of figured they were going to be picking in the mid 20s you make a trade with like carolina or dallas or even pittsburgh you just don't know and that there's a benefit there as well and like mike said chris Kreider is a hell of a hockey player and he opens the door especially for being signed next year to a lot like a team like say edmonton probably would not be interested in zuccarello they might not be interested in hayes unless shirelli is in full-blown panic mode which he could be but a guy like Kreider, where you see what you get this year, and you have a guy next year, and you have that exclude, like you could start negotiating all of next year come January first. Yeah, that's something I need to think about if I'm one of those teams, and if I'm the New York Rangers, I'm not letting any, but like I'm not saying no to any deal, at least from the standpoint of like hearing it. I'm listening to you everything to listen. and anybody. You have to. You don't have a choice. You want a non-start at Kravstoff and Miller? Fine. But um, completely. Yeah, you're listening to everything. Uh, and thank you all for listening to this show. This oh, was the you did there. Uh, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, Alex Gardner, Armael Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGem, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Keith Franchillo, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Robert Courtney, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Oso, Trevor Kempner, and Zachary Zetlin. Thank you all for donating. You guys rock. You are the rockiest of the rocks. Keep the keep the show on the boat. Keep the, the show, on the, show on the boat. Hope you're enjoying the new uh, Vox Network, the warm bath of the Vox Network, and uh, the warm, warm sudsy waters. Yeah, we love you all. Oh, by the way, I'll mention this on the next show too. Uh, we were supposed to talk to Carcillo. We mixed up time zones, so we are going to reschedule. But don't worry, that is still happening. Yeah, and we're going to figure out some more guests as well. That's um, true. But yeah, we'll have Dan on uh, in the near future, which will be fun. And you'll all love it. Yeah, it'll be a good time. I'm a whale. Oh, and I want to mention we're figuring out the merch stuff right now um, in the design process. Oh, yeah, that's true. We're, we got stickers and mugs, right? Are we doing yeah. mugs? Yeah, we're figuring it all out right Stickers now. and mugs are coming your way eventually. So I made sure to get a, a high-resolution Give us a minute. Yeah, our, we want it. Our logo. it to be nice. Uh, it's going to take going to take a minute to figure it all out and get it get it squared away but uh for those of you who've been supporting the show for a long time uh you more than deserve this and uh just make sure on your patreon a uh, little account there that you share your uh mailing address with us so we can send you the good yes actually that's a good point and i'll i'll send out a notice on twitter but if you are a patron supporter please put your mailing address on there yeah all right all right gang we'll see you in a couple days for the q a show stay warm and safe friends peace